Good morning. Well, my name is John, and I am a speaker, an author, and a spoken word poet from Chicago, uh, and you all just saw a small sampling of one of my poems, one of the pieces that I've written over the years that I will be sharing uh, this Tuesday night over at High Point Church. Uh, and if you want more information about that, you can come visit. Me and my wife will be out in the lobby, um, and even if you can't come, we would love to meet you, uh, shake your hand, and hear your story. Um, as I said, I, I do. I have a lot of commas in my job title, speaker, author, spoken word poet, but, but most importantly this morning, I am the older, wiser, and all-around more holy brother of your wonderful worship director, Kayla Jorgensen, and I am excited to be here with you all this morning, uh, sharing with you from the Word of God, and I understand that you have been in this series following the rabbi, where you are studying to understand these different parables Uh, These narrative lessons, right, that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 13. And when I heard that you were in a series surrounding these parables, I got really, really excited because I love reading the parables of Jesus and I love even more teaching on the parables of Jesus. So when I heard that this is what this church was doing, I got really excited and I started dreaming, right? I thought, oh, I could teach on the parable of the sower, right? I could, and I could talk about how we need to be intentional with where we root ourselves on this journey of faith and how when we are intentional and we root ourselves, God's going to bring a harvest, right? 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. It's going to be so inspiring. And then I listened to last week's message and I discovered that Dan already did that better than I ever could. And so I thought I probably shouldn't try that one. But then I thought, oh, I, I could do the parable of the mustard seed. Like, I can preach on the mustard seed, right? And so I started dreaming. I thought, oh, I could talk about how there, there is potential in the little things in life when we place them in the hands of an almighty God. And I even have a spoken word poem called The Little Things that is inspired by that passage. And I started dreaming, this is going to be inspiring. What an uplifting message. And then I heard that, Scott might want to preach on that one next week, but he's not sure yet, but he's the pastor, so he gets first choice. And so I thought I probably shouldn't do that one. And so when I found out that I would be speaking to you all on the parable of the weeds, my first thought was, okay, so this is how they treat their guests here. Fine. Diana, you get the parable of the sower. Root yourself in Christ. Scott, mustard seed faith. What about Kayla's brother? Uh, Let's have him talk about weeping and gnashing of teeth. See how he does. I just want you all to know that that's the type of leadership you have at this church. (laughs) Obviously, obviously, I am only kidding. I am very, very grateful to be here this morning, and I'm very excited to be teaching you all from this passage through a message that I have entitled, Wheat among the weeds. Wheat among the weeds. Before we dive in, I would love to pray. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for each and every person in this room, and I thank you for this opportunity to come and to share your word, to share what you have placed on my heart, God. And I pray as I open my mouth that these would not be my words, but your words, Father, that your spirit would speak your truth. And I pray that you would open up each and every heart in this room, God, 
And I pray that those who have ears to hear this morning, that you would let them hear. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as with any parable, right, I believe that there are a lot of things that Jesus was trying to unpack. There were a lot of things that he was trying to say. And these stories that Jesus tells, they're all very short. And yet, their meaning and their significance is extremely deep. And so the struggle with teaching any parable is in knowing that you will never be able to mine it for all of its meaning in just one sermon. At least not a sermon that any of us would want to sit through, because we don't have that much time. And so my prayer and my ask of you this morning is I ask for your patience and your understanding in knowing that our goal today is not to pull absolutely everything possible, every lesson possible from this parable. That would be impossible. But rather, our goal today is to examine and discover some of its basic, fundamental truths and to begin to learn how we can apply those to our lives right now. And I think a great place to start is at the beginning. In verse 24, we read that a man went and sowed good seed in his field. And that's a good place to start. And not just because it's the beginning, but isn't it encouraging to know that God has sowed good seed in this world? Because we know from reading on later in the chapter, Jesus goes on to explain this parable to his disciples. And we know that the man in the story is representative of the son of man. And the first thing we read about this man is that he goes and he sows good seed. Before the weeds show up, before the bad stuff happens, there is good seed. That's the foundation. That's where it starts. And I think it's important to start there. Because I think in our world today, it is really easy to lose sight that God has planted good seeds. In a world that's full of issues in our culture, with racism and poverty and political injustice, with families being broken, and with with all the sin and darkness in our own lives, it can be really easy to lose sight of the fact that God has sowed good seed in creation. In Genesis chapter 1, God, he creates the world. And when God created the world, he created it Good. We read that refrain in Genesis 1, in that poem, the refrain that is repeated over and over, and God saw, and it was good. God created us, human beings, as good, very good, in fact, which means that that annoying coworker at your job, while they do have some weeds in their personality, God sowed good seed into them. They were created to be good. That means that your child who is going through maybe a rebellious season right now and they're, they're making some bad decisions and you're feeling like a failure as a parent or maybe you're just feeling like you got cursed with a bad kid, we can be reminded that God created them for goodness. First Timothy chapter 4 tells us that everything created by God is good. And yes, we, we would be foolish to say that there are not weeds in the world, right? There are most definitely weeds, especially 
in today's culture as we look around and there's so much evil, there's so much corruption. But it can be really easy when we look around and all we see are these weeds popping up around us and all they're doing is is they seem to get taller and they begin to choke us. What's really easy is to start blaming God for those weeds. To start blaming God for all of the bad things that are happening in the world. That's what we hear a lot of people doing in our culture, whether it be in the news or on the internet. But it's important to remember that the text tells us clearly that it was the enemy who was responsible for the weeds. All the man was responsible for was the wheat, the good seed. And so I think before we dive in, I think it's extremely important to start by remembering and giving praise to a God who even in the midst of a broken, fallen world is still planting good seed. Not only did God create this world as good, but God is still planting good seeds today. God is still bestowing blessing. God is still good. Despite what the world tries and tells us, we still serve a God who sows good seeds in our lives. Now, has anyone in here ever heard someone use the phrase, it's all good? Like you ever, you ever mess up something at work or maybe, you, you know, you, you spilled a glass as a kid all over your mom's best rug or whatever and, and, and you heard them and they said, ah, it's all good. Raise your hand if anyone has ever told you, don't worry, it's all good. Someone lied to you. <laughs> because, well, that's a, that's a nice comforting phrase, right? It, it would be foolish for us to believe that it is actually all good in the world. We are all well acquainted with the fact that it's not all good. We know there are weeds in our country. There are definitely some toxic weeds in your workplace, right? There are messy weeds in your family or in your church or even in your own heart. And we know that the enemy is the one responsible for planting those weeds, And so with some of the time that we have left, I would like to look at at three reasons why these weeds pop up in our lives. Because some of you in this room, you might look around at your life right now and you are overwhelmed by the number of weeds that are popping up around you, by the number of obstacles, by the number of trials that you have been going through lately. You're like the servant in verse 27 that comes up and says, I, I thought you planted good seed here, God. Where did all these weeds come from? And today our goal is to maybe discover where some of those weeds have come from for us and how we actually might be able to stop them from coming, or at least to control them when we do. In verse 25, it says, While his men were sleeping, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. And the first reason that I would like to challenge you with for why weeds may be popping up in your life is simply because you are asleep. You see, if you are asleep in this life, if, if you are not paying attention, the truth is that the enemy will look for any loophole that he can find to get into your life. And so if you are asleep, 
then the enemy will come and plant all kinds of weeds in your field. All of a sudden, that thing that you've promised you would only do one time has become an addiction or an affair. You weren't really paying attention while your kid was growing up because you were distracted, and now, all of a sudden, they are 17 years old, and you don't even recognize the child that stands in front of you. They have a substance abuse problem, and they need to go to rehab. You didn't spend intentional time with your spouse in the first 10 years of your marriage, and now you're standing there wondering, why is this so broken? Some of us perhaps need a wake-up call this morning. Some of us perhaps need to open our eyes. We need to wake up and we need to tend to our fields because the enemy is trying to get in and plant weeds among our wheat. Some of us need to wake up. Now, do I have any gardeners in the room? I know my father is, but anybody else? Great, so you all can get ready for a little botany lesson here. And I promise you it's going to be short because it's the only one I know. Now some of you, you you probably are already clued in to what I'm about to tell you because in several publications of Scripture, they, they include a footnote in this parable that tells us exactly what type of weed that Jesus was referring to in this parable. And we learn that it is a weed called Darnell. Everybody say Darnell. Darnell. Darnell is a tricky type of weed, all right? Especially when it is placed in a wheat field. Not just because weed and wheat sound similar, but because Darnell, that weed and wheat actually look similar. You see, botanists, they, they, when they are describing Darnell, they actually describe it as a wheat type weed. Meaning that to the naked or to the untrained eye, it is hard to tell the difference between the two. And so this weed, it can sneak in and it can hide itself amongst the wheat. And the second reason I want to challenge you with for why weeds may be popping up in your life is because the weeds are in disguise. You see, in life, I think we would all agree that there is wheat, right? Wheat meaning good, life-giving relationships and hobbies and activities, right? We have wheat. But in life, there are also weeds. There are those relationships or those experiences or those choices that are unhelpful. They are hard. They are difficult. They are not what God desires for us. In life, there is wheat and there are weeds. There is good decisions, there are bad decisions. There's great activities and there's unhealthy ones. But has anyone else in this room ever noticed that sometimes, sometimes it's difficult to tell the difference between the two? Sometimes it's hard to draw the line between what's the right choice and what is the wrong choice. Sometimes the weeds in our lives can actually disguise themselves as wheat. The relationship that you started, it looked really good on the surface, right? She looked really good the night you all met. But as you got to know each other, you started to discover that you are really bad and things are getting toxic. 
cutting a corner in your finances. It, it looks like an easy way out of a tough situation, but really that is a weed in disguise. That deception is not what God desires. A new promotion at work, it might look great on the surface, and the money sounds fantastic, but being away from your family for 345 days a year to travel might not be the best decision. You see, it looks really good on the surface, but once we get close, we discover that that person or that job or that thing is actually poisonous for us. It is a weed in disguise. And so perhaps weeds are popping up around us because we're asleep, right? We're not paying attention. Or perhaps it's because we haven't learned to discern weeds from wheat just yet. And we need to examine the opportunities that God is placing in front of us. We need to examine them a little closer. Or there is the third option. Another reason, the final reason I want to give you perhaps why weeds pop up in life is because we are not reaping. We are not reaping. Now, I want to explain this one, so follow me here. As, as the man who sowed the seed returns and, and the field gets ready for harvest, the man gives instructions to his servants on how they are to take care of this field. And what he says in his instructions, he says, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. And over the past week or so, I read this scripture passage many, many times. And it took me a while to notice the order in which the man tells his servants to do these things. You see, I never noticed the order in which he tells them to do it. But the more I read it, I saw how important it is. You see, the man tells them to gather the weeds first and then take care of the wheat. In other words, what the man is saying is get rid of the bad stuff first and then you can take care of the good stuff. Has anybody in here ever had to, maybe you were on a camping trip or a long hike and you had to drink water that was not purified from like a stream or something and so you had to purify it yourself? Maybe you're a Boy Scout or something, right? You see, water is good for us. Yes, I think we would all agree that water is good for human beings. We need water because water has things that we can get from it. It has nutrients. It gives us energy. It gives us refreshment, right? Water is good for us. However, if that water is not purified, then as much as water is good for us, that water that hasn't been purified it actually has things in it that are bad for us or even poisonous. And so what we have to do is we have to take an iodine pill or we have to do some sort of purification process. We have to get the bad stuff out of the water first before we can get the good stuff from the water. And you see, in life, sometimes you need to get the bad stuff out of your life before you start getting good stuff from your life. You have to get rid of that toxic employee in the office before everyone else can start to experience true culture and community, right? You have to rid yourself of lust 
before you experience true intimacy. Some of us in this room right now, we feel like we are being overrun by weeds. We're just overrun by trials and difficult and bad things in our lives. And perhaps the problem is, is that you're not taking the time to uproot or get rid of the bad things first before you get anything good out of it. And so weeds pop up in our lives for three reasons. And obviously, there are many more reasons than this. But the three that we find in this passage is, number one, we're asleep. We're just not really paying attention. We're sort of coasting through life. Number two, the weeds are in disguise. What looks good on the surface is actually toxic, and we need to examine it closer. We need to be intentional about prayerfully considering every opportunity, every relationship, every decision that God places in front of us. And number three, we're we're not reaping. We need to get some of the bad stuff in our hearts out before we can begin to give good stuff to the world. Now, to be honest with you, that... That all was very good. I was, I was studying this chapter and all that just sort of revealed itself to me. And I thought, oh, this, this could be encouraging to several different people in several different situations. But to be honest with you, there is one aspect of this parable that really, really confused me. And that is why the master tells them to leave the weeds among the wheat. Right? He, he tells them to let them both grow together. And from a botany standpoint, this makes sense, right? Because another thing that I learned about Darnell is that what Darnell will do is the roots of Darnell will actually entangle itself with the roots of the wheat. And so it makes it impossible to uproot the Darnell without ruining the wheat, right? And so from a strictly agricultural standpoint, I understand what the master is doing here. But I failed to recognize how Jesus is using this as a metaphor. The metaphor just didn't compute in my mind. Because if God is all-powerful, and he is all-good, and he is all-loving, then why wouldn't he just get rid of all the bad stuff in life? Why would God leave the weeds among the wheat? If God was really so good, why would he allow evil to happen in this world. And I know this really isn't okay for a pastor to say, but I don't really consider myself a strict pastor, so I'm going to say it. I don't know. And maybe for some of you, you're not used to hearing that in church, but I don't know why God allows evil to happen in this world. I believe that God is all-powerful. And I believe that he could stop it. And I believe that God is all-loving. And I believe that his ways are higher than my ways. And he knows. But I know that I don't. And I would love to give you an answer, but I can't. What I do know, though, is that in the short time that I have lived... 
I have learned that this life that we are living together on this earth, this life is a field full of weeds among the wheat. There is good and there is bad. There is high times and there are low times. You see, friends, I know that God never said that he was going to make all of our problems magically go away, did he? He never said that he was going to remove every weed from our lives the minute we turn to him. But what we do know is that we worship a God who is so loving that even in our sin, even in our brokenness, even though each and every one of us at one time or another has been a weed, we worship a God who sent his one and only son down to this earth. And when Jesus Christ walked this earth, he walked as wheat among the weeds. He walked as the only truly good thing in a fallen world. And when Jesus was up on the cross, he could have easily uprooted himself from that situation, couldn't he? He was powerful enough. He could have removed himself. He could have rooted himself away from all of these weeds and just went away to the Father. But what did he say when he was on the cross? Instead of uprooting himself, the Son of Man said, No, leave me up there. Leave the wheat among the weeds so that they can begin to entangle in my roots and receive everlasting life. Because if you take me off of here now, they will never be able to root themselves in me. That's the God we worship. And that is the promise that we have. We do not have a promise that says that all the weeds are going to be taken away. That's not what we came to church to hear today. I'm sorry. But the promise that we do have is that one day, because of the blood that Jesus shed, one day we will enter into eternity with God where there will be no more sin. No more shame, no more brokenness, no more darkness, no more weeds. That's what's coming. That's the hope we have because of Jesus. But as of right now, as of right now, I believe that the life that Jesus offers us is not a life where we just ignore our problems. We just pretend that the weeds aren't even in the garden. But I believe that the life that Jesus offers each and every one of us and the life that he is trying to teach us about in these parables, it's not just about when we go someday and ascend into heaven, but he's trying to teach us that right now, this life is about learning to live with both the weeds and the wheat. And more importantly, this life is about learning to follow his example, to be wheat, to be good among the weeds of this world. That's what this life is about. And I don't think there was anyone who was perhaps more familiar with what that type of life looked like than, than the Apostle Paul, right? And he describes this type of life so well in Romans chapter 8, better again than I ever could. And so I thought perhaps to close our time together today, I would read 
to you his description of what this life that we're talking about looks like. In Romans chapter 8, verse 12, and I pray you would allow these words to wash over your spirit. Paul says, so then, brothers, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, but to live according, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you have put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children heirs, heirs of God, and provided we suffer with Christ in order that we also may be glorified with him. And then in verse 18, he gets to the point. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, these weeds that we're living with, are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for that harvest. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of glory of the children of God. For we know that all of creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly. We wait eagerly as we wait for adoptions as sons and the redemption of our bodies. That is what we wait for. That is what we hope for, friends. But in the meantime, we must learn to live as wheat. We must learn to share and spread goodness and his light even when the weeds pop up around us let's pray heavenly father i thank you for this morning and lord i want to thank you jesus thank you for coming down to this earth and being wheat among our weeds for shining light into our darkness for bringing healing to our brokenness. We praise you today and we thank you. And Father, I pray for all of the weeds in the room, all of the issues, all of the struggles, everything that each and every person walked in here this morning carrying. Father, I pray for your presence with them, for them to know that the wheat is still there, that even if all they can see are weeds, that they're still good within that, Father. I pray that you would speak a word of encouragement and you would help all of us to open our eyes, to be awake, to be alive, to recognize when the enemy's trying to sneak in. Father, I pray for each and every person that you would give them discernment in every decision, in every relationship to know where are their weeds and where is it wheat. Let us know the difference between the two. And Father, I pray that you would give us the strength to uproot and get rid of the bad things in life, those toxic relationships, those unhealthy activities, those sins that just keep 
pounding on the door. Father, give us the strength to uproot those, to get rid of the bad things in our life so that we can begin to live the life that you have called us to live. I thank you for the opportunity to come and share this morning. I pray a blessing over this church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.